And we don't think about wrinkles that much because they don't come fast like zits do, but they accumulate. And grandparents, you'll, you'll identify with this. There's a, there's a moment when you walk past a mirror and you catch your reflection out of the corner of your eye and you think, where did this come from? Because internally, we think of ourselves as looking 20 years younger than we do. Kind of cool, kind of hip, you know, not bad for a person who's aging. And then we look in the mirror and go, oh, this is the reality. And it's not going to get any better. We think about fashion differently as well. I was walking across campus the other day, saw a girl with skinny jeans on. Of course, that's not unusual. In the last five years, every woman I've known, I think, has had skinny jeans on. It's just a fashion trend. And then I saw on that same day another girl whose jeans were skinny to her knees. And below that, there was no, they were no longer denim. They were just fa fabric, and they were flared like bell bottoms. And I thought they looked pretty cool. I don't know if that's a fashion trend or not. And then I saw a girl with a, is it a romper? With big, you know, wide legs and down. Some of them are halfway down their legs and some of them are all the way down their legs. And, and, um, and then I saw a girl with shredded jeans or holy jeans or cut jeans or torn jeans or whatever you call it. And I think we're in this kind of fashion disruption in the force that we're not sure where all this is going to land. What will the next trend be? I mean, for the last five, four or five years, it's been holy jeans, and now I don't know where it's going, but I'm pretty sure that the trend, the, the fashion trend of cut jeans or holy jeans is almost over. Let me tell you why. Patty and I hosted a couple at our house a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they were just exploring whether they're going to be seeing each other or not. They're in their 60s, mid-early 60s, and um, they were sitting there, and I looked over, and she had torn jeans on. And I'm thinking this, that craze is almost done because anytime grandma wears your clothes, you're gonna change your clothes. <laughs> I mean, a lot of you woke up this morning and you thought, my grandma's pretty cool, but you didn't stop and think, I wonder what I have in my closet that I could look like her. We could spend a lot of time laughing about the differences between college students today and grandparents today. But I want to talk today about something that we share in common. To tee that up, I want to take you to the scripture in first, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul has been in a process of defending himself as an apostle of Jesus. Talking about people who attacked him. Talking about people who caused him problems. And then he talks about this issue that he has physically that he calls a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what the thorn in the flesh was. It was something bothersome for him. Seriously bothersome for him. Because he said it was sent to torment him. So this is a big deal to Paul. And this is what the scripture says. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, your weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. This is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults in hardships, in persecutions, 
in difficulties. I delight in these. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I want to talk about some things we have in common with the Apostle Paul and that we have in common with each other. And one of those things we have in common with Paul and with everyone else in this room is that everyone has a weakness. Every single person in this room has a weakness. For some of us, it's physical. Some of us wear glasses because there's something weak in our eyes. Some of us have food allergies. It might be peanuts or it might be gluten or it might be dairy. Many of us just react badly to food, any kind of food. If we eat too much, we swell up. (laughs) Cheap dad joke. Or in this case, a granddad joke. Some people in the room have diabetes or high blood pressure. The older you get, the more likely you're going to get a list of physical symptoms that you say, I'm pretty healthy. My doctor visit recently says, this is not bad for a man your age. Grandparents know they don't like that. We would just like to hear the doctor say, you're pretty good, and not add, for your age. Some of you are young enough, you don't feel this yet, but you will. It's headed your way. Nobody, nobody really wants to be weak. My, my notes are printed really big today because I'm going through some double vision stuff. Remember I've talked to you about that? I just skipped the page. So let's go back because some of you don't really believe you're weak. The reality is that Christians wear glasses and go to dentists and get the flu at about the same rate as everybody else, whether they're Christians or not. And we all die at exactly the same rate. Everybody has a weakness that's called the human body, and that will betray us at some point. For some of us, the weakness is a relational thing. We deal with the fallout from a broken family or from junk from our own mistakes that we've made and we've brought to school with us and said, I did this in high school and this in high school and this in high school and I regret it and you're struggling through it. Some of us have learned not to trust each other, because, other people because they've let us down. Some of us have temperaments that get in the way of strong relationships. Some of us don't even trust ourselves to make strong relational decisions because we failed so often. Some of us deal with mental health issues. Grandparents, you may not know this, but the levels of depression and anxiety and stress among college entering freshmen is at the highest it has ever been since it's being tracked. And we're not entirely sure why. It's just an epidemic of mental illness struggles or mental issue struggles, human mental health struggles. Maybe your weakness is a particular temptation that you've given in to often enough that it's become a habit. It's, t- it's like it's taking control of your life and you want to conquer it and sometimes you do and other times you give into it and you've just learned to accommodate that and you've grown discouraged in the fight. The list could go on. And some of you are thinking, I'm really glad I came to chapel today. I am so encouraged. In fact, you may be wondering why I chose a depressing subject to talk about like this and the reason why is because we all have them. And to ignore them doesn't do us any good. To ignore the weakness is to ignore reality. That's why this next thought is so important. Nobody really wants to be weak and God has an answer for it. Nobody wants to be weak. Paul pleads with the Lord, not once, not twice, but three times for God to remove his physical ailment. It's not just a 
quick prayer he tosses up on the way to New Testament class. Lord, help me remember that verse I was supposed to memorize for today. I mean, he's begging God. God, I've got to have this. It's getting in the way. It's challenging me. And it's possible that you've prayed to God again and again and again about whatever is weak in your life, asking him to take care of it. And it's possible he is not. And it's not improbable that you're a little disappointed with God. Why haven't you come through for me? And it's not likely, it's not unlikely that you're feeling alone in your situation. Why isn't God responding to me? Why are other people happy? Why are other people healthy? Why are other people getting through this? Why are they strong enough to conquer temptation and I struggle with it? Why am I lonely? Why is my life a struggle and theirs is not? Can we stop for just a hot minute and talk about this idea of my life being a struggle and their life not be? Maybe I could illustrate it this way. I was at church a couple weeks ago. Patty and I attend the river here in West Marion and I'm a greeter. And I'm at the door and this lady comes in who's about my age and I say, hey, welcome to the river. How you doing? She says, great. And then she's turned to me and said, how you doing? And I said, great. And neither one of us was fully telling the truth. Nobody gets to our age where everything is great, right? Nobody gets to 20 with everything being great. But there's this social agreement that we have come to. That somebody says, how you doing? And, and you're really saying, well, for everything I'm going through and the issues I'm dealing with, I'm doing pretty good. Or maybe not even that. Maybe we just don't want to explain it. Because if I'd said, how you're doing? And she said, well, I've got high blood pressure. And I got a coronary artery that's 50% blocked. Um, my doctor's worried about me having diabetes. I forgot to record my favorite TV program last night. My husband is a pain in the neck. And my dog has fleas. And I said, you think you got problems? Let me tell you about me. There would be a line waiting to get into church. Actually, maybe not, because they would be discouraged from coming through that entrance. But we've come to this kind of agreement with one another that we'll just answer, I'm doing okay, or I'm doing great. And it's a way of socially connecting with one another and say, I care about you. But it hides reality. And what we begin to think is I must be the only one who's not okay. I must be the only one who's not struggling. And so somebody says, how you doing? And you, because you want to fit, say, okay. It's not just old people that do that. I walk across campus every Monday, Wednesday, Friday on my way from here to Noggle to teach a New Testament class. And... Uh, I walk about the time when the previous class is let out, so it's like a stream of students coming my way from, from Noggle and from Elder and from Burns, and I feel like a salmon swimming upstream, the old guy going the wrong way. And I make a commitment, I'm going to say hi to as many people as I can. That's just how I'm wired. And I notice a lot of students walking across campus just looking down because they don't want to engage not just me but anybody. I see some students who, who I, I, I try to meet their eye and they just stare the other way. 
I see some students who seem to be looking at me and I go, hi, and they then don't respond and I go, hi, and then they reach up under their hair and pull out their earbuds. And then I feel awkward because it's not that important. And I say, hi, and they put their earbuds back in. Every once in a while, I say somebody, see somebody say, hi, how are you? They say, good, thanks, or they say, hi, back. We engage just a little bit. But if they gave me the full answer of what they were going through about their struggle with chemistry or physiology or Greek or Hebrew, something, if everybody did that, we'd have to have two hours between every class because all our conversations would be about stuff that's wrong with us. Everybody has a weakness. Nobody really wants to be weak because it feels as if, as if we're different. And while it's socially acceptable to talk about our weakness to, or to not talk about our weakness, I think it hurts us long run to not have somebody we talk to it about. Everybody has a weakness. Nobody really wants to be weak, so we don't like to talk about it. But here's the other thing we share in common with Paul. Every one of us has a resource. Paul prays not once, not twice, but three times, and it wasn't a casual prayer. It was a serious prayer, begging God. And this is what God said to him. In verse 9, we already read it. But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. One translation says, my grace is all you need. Another translation says, my grace is enough. Basically, God is saying, Paul, this is how it's going to work. You're going to feel weak. In fact, you're going to be weak. But I'm strong. And I'll work through you. And people are going to be aware of your weakness. But that will cause them to be more amazed at God. Because somehow you're using, allowing me to use you. Paul, you need me more than you need to have your problem solved. And I was thinking about this sermon this week, and I realized that maybe a good way to think about it this way is this. Sometimes God's answer is God. I'm just there for you. I'm strengthening you. I'm helping you. We want the answer to be healing, or we want the answer to be fitting in, or we want the answer to be victory in some area. And God sometimes says, I'm here. And I'm enough for you today. Lean on me. Trust me. Use my strength. You want a magic wand solution, and I've got something better, God says. It's me. And that brings me to the fourth thing we have in common with the Apostle Paul. And that is that everybody has a choice. Everybody has a choice. God says to Paul, my strength is made perfect in your weakness and Paul says, therefore. You remember, anytime you find a therefore in Scripture, you need to look at the Scripture just before it to see what the therefore is there for. And here it is. Because of God's strength, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul says, I'm not trying to impress people with me. I'm trying to impress people with Jesus. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Paul's purposes in life is so, are so big that his obstacles are more than obstacles. They're opportunities to make God look good. Is it an obstacle? Yeah. 
How am I going to deal with it? I'm going to let God use it. People looking at Paul see his weakness. They, whatever his physical ailment is, they get it somehow. They're scratching their heads saying, how is it that he can do what he does? He says it's because of God. If Paul's God can use him and work through him, maybe he can do that for us as well. And Paul is okay with being weak as long as God looks strong. He's more than okay. He rejoices in his weakness. Hmm. That's true. We can rejoice. That's what the theologian in me says. But there's a difference between saying it and actualizing it. Would you give me a couple minutes and let me talk to you about a weakness that I'm walking through right now? It's a little hard for me. It affects me and it affects Iwu a little bit. And I confess I'm not quite sure where the, that I'm where the Apostle Paul was. I've not got to rejoicing yet. I'm thankful for God, but I'm not quite where Paul is. Last spring, I began to notice some symptoms in my health that weren't normal for me. I was walking more slowly across campus. I just thought I was getting old. Every once in a while, my left foot would catch on pavement, and I just thought, you know, there must be a bump in the pavement. Um, I noticed a little tremor in my left hand. I would get ready in the morning in the mirror, and it was look, I, I'd take a look at, me, at my face, and it didn't seem to be right. Other stuff became concerning to me. Patty began to notice it. Family, people who hadn't seen me in a while began to notice it. And we began to talk to our doctor. And he said, you need to see a neurologist. So I went to a neurologist. And about six weeks ago, the neurologist says, you, you have Parkinson's disease. Now, I don't know if you know what Parkinson's is. It's a progressive neurological disorder that doesn't kill you. It just slows you down and debilitates you a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more over time. About 2% of Americans over the age of 50 have it or will get it, and I'm in that 2%. It's my weakness right now, and it's going to get worse. It's not all that bad today. It's manageable through medication. It can't be cured. There's no fix for it. You just take stuff to help you function, and I've taken my medicine today so that I'm looking fairly normal. Well, as normal as I ever look. The progression of the disease is uncertain. It gets worse. How fast and how bad, it's a little bit different for every person. Throughout my life, I've been able to overcome challenges by just applying more energy and applying more grit and more determination and going harder after that and have been able to find victory through the intensity of efforts and overcoming. I can't do that with this. It's going to compromise how well I do my job. And I love, I will. But I've told our Chancellor, Dr. Reed, that this is my last year as Dean of the Chapel. We love you guys. 
and we plan on being around, but we owe it to you and to the university to let someone who has the energy do the job. I'd just as soon not have Parkinson's disease, but I do. And I have a resource, God, and I have a choice. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to make a commitment that I'm going to make God look good. But what about you? You may be 72, or you may be 22, but you have a weakness too. It may not be mine, but it's yours. The question is, how will you deal with yours? And I want to be really simple and do an A, B, C, D kind of thing. It's a preacher kind of thing, but then I am that. The first thing I would suggest to you is whatever your weakness is, you acknowledge it. Acknowledge to someone what's going on in your life. You don't have to give the full answer to everybody. Walk into the church, you don't have to give your 20-minute life story to the greeter who says, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Buckle up. <laughs> but you need to acknowledge it to somebody. The B stands for become deeply committed to growing in your walk with Christ. Whatever your issue is, Jesus is better than that and bigger than that. And your weakness affects you, but it does not define you. Jesus does. He says about followers of Christ, behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us that we should become children of God because that's what we are. And if we lean into that, whatever your weakness, you can rejoice that God's passionate about you. The C stands for connect. Connect with others who will pray with you and walk with you. One person, two persons, five people. It's hard to have a crowd of 2,000 walk with you, but a group of people can care with you and walk with you. We're not designed to live life alone. You can find that in a residential hall. You can find that in church. You can find that in a neighborhood. You can find that at the Y with a group of people you work out with. Someplace, there needs to be somebody who walks the journey with you. And then the D stands for deciding to declare that God is good. I want you to know that's what I'm going to do. If you ask me how I'm doing, I'm likely to say God's really good to me because he is. And if I say great, it's because I'm having a good day. And if I say I'm upright and taking nourishment, it's an indication that it's not a great day, but I'm just going to continue to move forward by the grace of God and his strength. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm going to make a commitment. I will allow God to look good through me. And that is my prayer for you. Can we pray together? Lord, my emotions rise to the surface because I am so passionate about the men and women who call Indiana Wesleyan home. I'm so thankful for their grandparents that have influenced their lives. And we are called to bring glory to you. Where we are strong, it is your strength. We are, where we are weak, it is an opportunity for your strength to work. May we give you glory in every aspect of our life and keep moving forward for the kingdom. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.